Welcome back to another episode of Commission Impossible. My name is Scott Fish. I'm sitting right here with the the man, the myth, the legend, the the most amazing dude ever in Dynasty, Ryan McDowell, shaking his head at me. What you doing, man? How's it going? <laughs> oh man, I'm I am doing well. I wish I was. I wish I was half as uh, as good as what you build me up to be there, but um, but no, I'm I'm doing well. Glad to be talking some dynasty commission oh, stuff with you. Yeah, well, we might get into a little bit of redraft stuff too, just for the oh. redraft listener. We have lots of people that listen to them. It is mostly dynasty, though. I, our followings are are very dynasty centric. We understand that. Um, but uh, if you're new to the show, this is Commission Impossible. We, this is our 26th episode, I believe. Uh, Ryan and I have become known over the years for commissioning, and we started a podcast to help other commissioners out. Um, these shows are pretty evergreen. Every I can't go a week without getting multiple people that say they just binge lo- binge listened binge lozenged that'd be <laughs> binge listened to every episode. Um, and I'm I'm trying to write better descriptions, so that should help. Uh, we go over listener questions, bad commission stories, uh, interest, interesting league ideas people have sent us. Um, uh, go over some of our own that have become popular over the years. Uh, and we try to answer nearly every single email we get. It's getting harder and harder because there are so many. You guys are awesome. And we're not going to do, like, we're not going to catch up in this episode, Ryan, because this. This, this is the episode people have been waiting for where we're going to talk about some of the, the basics of commissioning and league setup, like the, the 101. Like if you're just starting a dynasty league and half the stuff we talk about is a little too in the weeds for you, here's, here's some basics for you uh, to, to put into your league and, and have a pretty decent league. Uh, you excited for this one, Ryan? I am. Yes, yes. This is, this is going to be a good one. I just talked for two minutes. I feel like I'm talking way too much now. Looking <laughs> at the clock, that was two minutes of intro right there. That's okay. That's good stuff. People can handle it. All right. Uh, I think we'll start on the commissioning side of commissioning and league setup. There, there, there are things that you need to be as a commissioner. Uh, you need to, you, you need to do to be a good commissioner. And uh, uh, you, you can feel free to poach from the list I put in here. But I, th- I think the the first two uh, for me. Um, are always being accessible, as accessible as you possibly can be. When someone emails you, try to respond back as quick as you can and and always listen to them. Always listen to their ideas, whether there's zero chance that you're going to do what they're hoping you want to do, zero chance you're going to put up a poll or anything. Like if it's an idea that's it's just not going to happen, at least hear them out. Um, that accessibility and, and listening to, to your lead mates keeping that open dialogue because you never know when a good idea is going to come. Um, I think those are two very important things for a commissioner. I agree. And and I actually think the accessibility has become a lot easier over the years. Um, just, I, I guess just through the multiple paths of communication. Now I know a lot of leagues use Voxer or, or a, a chat app like that or, or Slack or something. Or, yeah. Yeah. Right. Group me or something. Um, and, and obviously just with technology now, there are many more ways to contact and, and, uh, and be in communication with each other. So that's, that's gotten to be uh, probably a little bit easier where, you know, you don't have to sit down at your computer and check your email. You can, reply to a quick text or a quick DM, right. something like that. So 
much to the dismay of our significant others. True. That is very (laughs) true. But because it's become easier, there's also, uh, there's, there's also not much of an excuse for not responding quickly. And that doesn't mean, doesn't mean right away, but within a reasonable amount of time. Right. Right. Yeah. And it, man, if, if I go without, if I go over a full day without responding to someone, if you're in my, one of my leagues, ping me back because that means it just got buried somewhere. <laughs> cause, cause that, that really just shouldn't happen. But yeah. Um, do you want to, do you want to give another one, Ryan? You can just throw it from my list or sure. you can another one. Sure. I think, I think I'll do that because I think it's important. Um, the, the next one on the list here that, that we put together that, that you put together, Scott was having good bylaws. And I think a lot of times what I've seen is people get in a hurry to put a league together. You know, this is kind of the time of year where people are getting excited about, about putting dynasty leagues together, starting new ones, and they kind of get in a hurry sometimes. And a lot of times that can result in things being overlooked, things being missed. You've got to have those, You've got to have those bylaws. You've got to try to cover everything that you can really imagine possibly coming up. Yep. And you're going to have to tighten those bylaws from time to time when loopholes eventually are found. And don't be afraid to tighten those bylaws up and notify the people in your league, hey, I had to, I had to close this loophole or I had to make this slight change because this just needed to be done. Um, I, I rule and... I have rule. That's a terrible way to put it, but I commission um, my leagues with kind of like a 80% dictatorship, 20% like vote type of thing. Uh, almost everything is just, I make the decisions in the best interest of the league. Um, there, there's very little changing going on. It's usually minor stuff, but um, the, there are times for votes, but for the most part, your bylaws should be good enough that uh, they should hold on their own and and you can just simply tighten them and, and let the league know. Yeah, I like that. I, I feel like when I first started running leagues, um, like what, gosh, 10 or 12 years ago at least, that I feel like I wanted to put everything up to the vote. I didn't want to change right. I didn't I want to change anything unless everybody was on board or at least a large majority was on board and everybody at least had their say. Uh, and then, yeah, I, I realized pretty quickly, you're never going to make everybody exactly. happy. And as, as long as, as the commission, you're acting in the best interest of the league, like and you not your team, right? Exactly. Interest, it's a big issue for some people. Uh, but as as long as you're doing that, then I think you're going to have the support of the league. Exactly, exactly. That's probably one of those things that we want to get out on the 101 because on this episode, because it's something that I think we both went through and learned <laughs> over years. You're just not going to please everyone, and it's it's a lot easier to just tighten a rule, say this is what it's going to be. And most of the league, if it's in the best interest of the league, most of the league is going to be fine. And the ones that aren't, they're the small minority. Um, And there's always going to be a couple that just don't want to follow suit or don't like whatever. But uh, yeah, you just got to, you got to move on. Um, The next one I have written down is the one that I've talked about on this show, especially the early shows. I talked about this one quite a bit is having a best interest clause. And I know that a lot of people have grabbed that 
for their leagues since. Uh, I consistently see that in bylaws that people send me. I, I hear people asking where they can find it and that they use it. And it's basically the last line of my bylaws always has a best interest clause that says, should circumstances, issues, or problems arise for which a remedy is not stated in the rules, the commissioner reserves the right to take whatever action he or she deems necessary in the best interest of the league. Um, that's just kind of a close the loophole gap type of thing where if there is a loophole, uh, the commissioner has a little bit of leeway to fix that loophole or, you know, fix an issue um, when it's, when it's not staying in the rules. Cause as you kind of stated, you want to put everything in the rules, but you're going to miss stuff. You're just going to miss stuff. Yeah. I think that's, that's a great rule. <clears throat> that's a great rule that, uh, that you came up with. And I've, I've seen many others using that as well. Uh, since that time, it, it really is just one of those. It's a catch all. Really. Yeah. A catch all cover yourself, uh, statement or rule because, yeah, there's there's going to be crazy things that happen, um, and we're not we can't cover everything in, in a in a rules document, no matter how how wordy or lengthy it might be. Um, so, again, doing that and acting in the best interest of the league, which hopefully you trust that your commissioner will do, then then that that kind of goes hand in hand. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, do you want to go on to another one or you want me to keep talking? <laughs> You've talked too much. So I know I really have. No, you, no, you haven't. Um, this is one that, that I think is, is obviously important because for a lot of people, it's, I don't know, I, I, maybe it's a big motivation for a lot of people of why they play, but uh, it, it deals with payouts and getting those payouts out to the winners uh, in, in a timely fashion. This is actually one I kind of, struggle with i know you're really good with this scott that you get you get those payouts out within just a few days in most cases Mm -hmm. um i don't and the reason why is because i so just like you i run a a lot of leagues uh, and i've got a lot of people in uh in multiple leagues also like you i kind of view that as as almost their account with me right? Right, right so you know, they won a hundred dollars in this league, but they owe $50 in this league. So I, I kind of try to find that, that total balance uh, across the leagues. And then of course you have to be in contact with them. If they're, if they're returning to the league, if they want the full payout or if they want to pay their, their next year fees, which I always encourage just to kind of cut out the middleman. Yeah, exactly. Um, So it's a little more of a process for me uh, and, and maybe for others, but Still, you've got to get it out in in a timely fashion within, I would say, a, a maximum of of two weeks of that yep. championship game. Yep, absolutely. Uh, I got uh, for safe leagues, and that's a business, obviously. I had all the payouts done within uh, about a day and a half. Uh, the very next day, actually, scores finalized for week sixteen on Thursday, and I had the payouts done on Friday for my normal leagues. I had all my payouts done by the next week, by the next Monday. So within, within a week, um, I had most of them done early, but you know, there's stragglers. It happens. Um, sure. and I, for the pigs league is I do exactly what you, you said. 
Um, but only for the pigs leagues because there's so many owners that are in multiple of them that I just decided, yeah, that's that's the best way to do it. But that's man, it gets tough. I'm I'm impressed by how well you're able to do you know keep those to keep those uh those accounts or whatever together. But yeah, getting payouts done on time is 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 a big deal. Um, within a week or two, yeah, definitely uh definitely what you should be doing. I think we're gonna move a little bit into rules we want in a, a league if it just your basic your basic league and actually this first one goes for any league really honestly um any dynasty league uh i would i want in my dynasty leagues to have a january new rule period where people are able to tell you new rules that they might want to do um you're able to tighten up the bylaws in january maybe you want to add or remove a rule after you've seen how it played out for a year uh in in that January, I think I think January, where it's that dead period um, after the season, but before you know the combine and the and usually before Debbie drafts and stuff like that. That January period is where you should fix up your bylaws a little bit and and even get your league involved in considering you know what worked and what didn't. Um, usually, this this comes after the first year more than anything. Right. Yeah. I think that's definitely important. I I have found in some of my longstanding leagues where we had that period early in the off season, uh, over the years, it, it it kind of became less and less important because it's an early league thing. Right. Absolutely. And yeah, it's generally a first year thing, but mostly an early year thing. That's definitely true. I kind of cut you off and maybe you were done speaking. (laughs) No, no, that's fine. That's yeah. That's what I was going to say that the longer your league goes on, the probably the less necessary it is. Yeah, The less there is to fix people. Definitely as a commissioner still, still offer that up. That's, that's probably something I need to do a better job of uh, myself, but still offer that up as an opportunity. Yeah. Especially because things change. Like I had that league that started in 2005, still going. Um, and in about 2011 or 12 or something like that, we, you know, you ch- we changed things like adding, making the sixth playoff spot be points. You know, like there's always little tweet. You know, as time marches on, there's there's going to be things that are not just trendy in the industry that you're interested in, but just it becomes the point where it's like all leagues should have this, really. You yeah. know, <laughs> and and it, like my home league, my home league. 27 years. I mean, we added PPR about seven, eight, nine, man, about 2007, 2008. But that was after what, 15 years of existence in the league. So, I mean, yeah, there's at least always offer it up. Um, I, th- I think that that period should exist. Um, league setup, Ryan. Let's talk league setup. Let's do it. Um, yeah, well, uh, first off, we're we're both pretty no kickers, no defense. Um, but <laughs> but uh, I mean, if that's if that's what floats your boat, that that's what floats your boat, right? But I, I generally recommend just do QB, running back, wide receiver, tight end. Um, but a big one when when it comes to your starting positions for me, no positional limits. I mean, just no positional limits. It yeah. It, it, I- it inhibits trading. It inhibits so many things. It's it's really rough. Yeah, I think we see it most probably at the quarterback position in super flex leagues. That's where I see it come up the most that people want to, or some commissioners want to limit uh, quarterbacks to 
three or four spots, uh, probably usually three. And yeah, that's just, I, I don't see, I really don't see any reason to do that, honestly. I mean, I, I guess the only spot I would maybe consider it is if you're in a 32 team league or, or one of these massive leagues. I know Scott, it kind of came up in, in, in our recent league that we did that we drafted oh, for the yeah. um, American Alliance of football. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The American, yep. the there's only eight teams and we did an eight man draft. It was me and you and Matthew Berry, Mike Clay, JJ Zacharyson. Um, it's, it's really the first expert AAF league, right? I, I believe it is. Well, yeah. I'm, uh, after I looked at my score, I'm not sure if we should call it an expert league. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know that I like that. It was, it was being talked about on Sirius, uh, Sirius XM as, oh, as was an it? expert okay. league. Okay, so I'm, gotcha. I'm quoting them, not myself. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I should have given you a, a, a little bit more of a hard time when you – when you put that position limit in at the quarterback position at the quarterback spot, it's tough. But I understand that's 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 a, a small scale example of where you would. Uh, yeah, there there are there are a few rare instances where it can make sense, but for the most part, it, it just shouldn't be done. Yeah. Um. There's there's some pretty common like hard set. Uh, uh. There's some data that backs up certain things like in dynasty, your roster size should be two and a half to three times your starting lineup. Um, once you go under or below that, it starts inhibiting trading and waivers uh, and waiver wire activity, which is not great. I want to talk to you about something after the show. I just reminded myself, but uh, that, that generally means you want to be in that 25 to 30 range, um, maybe a little higher, maybe a little lower, but um that's if you're starting your basic dynasty, just a basic dynasty, that's probably the best range for you. I know you, you prefer deeper ones, Ryan, but it's uh, that's just where your basic should probably end up. Don't, don't fall into the trap of making a redraft league and then be having it be dynasty where you keep your, all your players. I guess that's the point. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I do prefer deeper rosters in general, but I also prefer deeper starting lineups. Um, you know, I, I I want to see at least we're going to talk about that in, in a moment, but to me, I prefer 10 or 11 or, or it starters. Every um, one of my leagues is 10 or 11. Yeah. Yeah. One. I love it. I love it. So with, I, weirdly, I have no nines, no 12s. They're all 10 or 11 <laughs> with the larger starting lineups. As you, as you mentioned, your roster size should really be right. in, it, you know, determined in relation to the starting lineup. So, yep. Obviously. And 11 times three is already 33. Exactly. And <laughs> Ryan gets a big smile for that. <laughs> oh, but uh, just for, for your basic redrafters, um, your roster size should be approximately two times your starting lineup or fewer. You don't actually want to go deeper in a redraft league. It's a, it's a stark contrast to dynasty. You, de- you definitely w- you usually want to be on the higher side of it in dynasty and redraft. You want to be on the lower side or even lower. Um, it uh because there's no like long term trading activity because you're not trading for like future things you're only dependent on that one year you you want to be playing that waiver wire more you want to be pushing people to trade for better better starting lineups and that's that's more often done with two times or a little bit less so i mentioned the starting lineups i think 9 is the minimum the bare minimum you can that's a- that's what I wrote down. Nine is the absolute bare minimum. 
Yeah, yeah, and then, for, a, for a starting lineup. So and, it sounds like I, I should preface: we're talking about QB, running back, wide receiver, tight end. That's not even including kicker or defense, right? If you have kicker, if you have kickers and defenses, your minimum minimum should be eleven. In, in my opinion, I agree. I agree. And but this is for just QB, running back, wide receiver, tight end. Your minimum lineup should be nine. Yeah, and and I still like, as I mentioned earlier, I still like going even higher than that. Yep. Ten, yeah, ten or eleven. Just from those four positions. I think 11 is my favorite. It's a good challenge. Mm-hmm. It is, but it also allows you to play some guys that normally wouldn't see starting lineups anywhere else, like in, in maybe redraft leagues, or it allows you to play guys that you scouted and just wouldn't hit a starting lineup normally. You know, uh, it also forces you to, um, I guess, uh, look at, matchups more you know for those deep flexes you know it it forces you to work a little harder there's there's a lot i like about 11 10 11 12 man starters i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna add on to that uh at at minimum three of your starters should be flexes oh you you know i'm on board with that i i I still love the minimum that's bare minimum I still love the one, 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 and everything else flex. Absolutely. Yep. That's, that, that's still my favorite. It definitely took a little heat um, from the running back crowd uh, there for a while when you could, you could only start or you, you only had to start one running back and then you could just stack your roster with yeah high scoring wide receivers that dominated for that few year period right. um, a, a little while ago. But now that things are a little, little bit more evenly dispersed, I guess, among the, uh, among positional scoring, it, it's become, uh, it's become kind of popular again, I think. Yeah. I've been talking about this a lot lately. Um, I, I think we were in a discussion on this on Twitter. Um, Dan Myler on your show mentioned how, You know, if you look at scoring, you take a scoring setup you like and you go back five years, uh, it's uh, it's not and it's balanced now. Go back five years. It's not balanced. Well, the truth is that is completely dependent on how many points you attribute to a variable Um, like a full PPR versus a half PPR. It's going to be more volatile over a five year span than, you know, one point will sure. be more than half point. So when I did SFB last year, wh- one thing that I did not expect is because I went half point PPR, half point points per first down, since there's, it's not a full point. It's not 1.5. It's, it's way down there. Um, what happened is Rotoviz did an article on it, how it was extremely balanced over a five year span and it was balanced last year too. So six straight years. And that's without even going back farther. Um, if if you have low and people love points, so they might not they might not dive into this too much. But the lower point variables, the the lower point attributions you give any any variable, um, you're you're going to be able to maintain a balance, which I, which I find interesting. But that has nothing to do with league setup. It's just something I've been thinking about and looking at a lot lately, and gotten into a couple discussions. Um, so that's why I don't think SFB scoring is going to change. I might change something else. Ooh. <laughs> we'll see we'll see what i change um, three quarterbacks three quarterbacks <laughs> uh i i think i want to move on to at least one 
playoff spot needs to be points or all play or, so, or something like that. Victory points, whatever. Yeah. Um, at least one of the, the, the final spot should go to the best remaining team. And that's, and I, it sh- I don't think it should be record because that, it, it, that there's too much luck involved in that, but points all play victory points. There, there are, there are different methods that are available on lots of these host sites to determine that last playoff spot where you actually get a much like a better team in there. The argument against is, do you give him the six seed? And then, you know, he's got a shot to face off against the one seed, right. Or the three seed in that first, that that's a question you have to ask yourself about that. But I do feel like that team should at least get a chance in the dance. (laughs) You you made a little rhyme there. (laughs) I did. I did. That's why I laughed. I realized I made a little rhyme. Um, I agree, and that's what most of my leagues are. The The final playoff spot comes from the top score, not right. in the top five. Uh, but if if I'm starting a new league today, I would I would use at least two spots uh, yep. for that, for those points, those top scorers. Um, Can I say I do three spots in pigs, and at this point I'm wondering if that's just sneakily a points league. Because the top three records would have gotten in on points anyway, right? So, hmm. well, I, I've been debating maybe. that, but y- you're right. I mean, I I feel like maybe two is the 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 better medium, you know, like the happy medium between that. I I don't know. I like three. I know lots of people like three, but now I'm like starting to tilt where maybe I I'll have to do some. I I like to get my data, you know, Ryan. I like to get my data, <laughs> so I, I might have to look into that. But I agree with you. What do you think about divisions? Uh, we talked about this last episode. I believe it was uh, John McGlynn, yep. if I'm remembering the name correctly. I, I believe I am. <clears throat> um, yeah, see, <laughs> the, the, if I'm setting up a basic league and I'm recommending this to someone to set up a basic league, I would say no divisions just because it takes the luck. It takes at least a little bit more of that luck out of it, and it's more skill-driven. Um, but play what you enjoy. I mean, the if you want three divisions or four divisions, four divisions with four division winners making the playoffs and two wild cards, like John said, that's that's kind of fun. You got three guys in a division, and the scheduling works out really nice for that as well. But uh, for me, it's a no division fourteen teamer where you play everybody once for thirteen weeks. That's that's the way I would set up a startup dynasty. That's pretty strong. It's pretty good. Do you think? I guess for so long that. 12 teamer and and I got and it still is I think but 12 teamer is oh, are the abso- standard. It's absolutely the standard, yeah. Do you think it's do you think things are starting to grow towards 14 teamers? I don't. I mean no. with with even sites like ESPN their standard is still 10 teams for redraft. I just I just don't feel like it's it's getting there and it's it's legitimately harder for your average person to fill 14 teamer than a 12 teamer. Sure. Um, it's hard enough for your average person to fill a 12 teamer in a lot of instances. Uh, I just, I don't, I don't know that 14 will get there. I do think it's better because, uh, and Myler talked about this on the DLF podcast, how it's, it's more challenging. Um, not, not just and the division, the, uh, the schedule works out perfect, but also like you have a good mix. Of, like <laughs> the teams are more balanced. Generally uh, you, you can actually have teams on your roster that like 
you can let them them develop instead of on a 12 team they might get cut if it was the same roster limits i just there's so much more i like about uh 14 teamers but uh 12, 12 team is still definitely the way most people do it <laughs> sorry Muted, muted for you, <laughs> muted for you, dog. Yes, he's, he's a little loud. And it's it's nice ambiance. We uh, <laughs> we had Matt Price on the Sirius XM show this uh, this last weekend, and uh, our producer put some uh, animal noise ambiance. Oh, well, <laughs> like in the background because it's we have, fitting for the zoo zookeeper. Yeah, well, we have producers. We have producers that we can make that joke, and then b- the next segment we have a bunch of ambiance. It's a, <laughs> it's amazing. Um, but uh, in redraft, <laughs> Ryan's like, I'll take a break while you talk about redraft. Uh, <laughs> I actually, that? I actually prefer divisions in redraft. I, I, where do I, you see the difference? Uh, well, first off divisions in dynasty, um, division, no divisions dynasty takes away the luck. No divisions in redraft also takes away the luck. I just feel in redraft, it's more of like an old school. It like, it's more of an old school format where <laughs> rivalries and winning that division just seem to matter more The the redraft leagues. I play in like winning the division just seems like it matters more, but in, in dynasty, you're just after this, like, you want to win that year, but you're after this like long-term thing and just, it doesn't feel like winning the division matters as much um, in dynasty leagues. So I'm fine getting rid of it for the luck factor, but man, in in redraft, it just, it just really feels like all the ones I'm in just winning that division just matters. Um, also, I like attributing a prize to winning your division in redraft leagues. You can do that in dynasty too, but it just feels like that works well. I don't know that I don't know that there's a lot of difference. It's just a preference for me. Um, but uh, if you want to take away the luck, uh, take away the divisions. But I feel like in a redraft league, there's this more like there's this you know one year of camaraderie is is kind of what kind of what happens, and that 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 works better with divisions, I think. Yeah, that does make sense. Yeah, um, fab waivers. You have to. Yeah. I have to a must um do you do conditional waivers in your leagues or do you do just highest highest bid wins yeah just highest thank you uh i know a lot of people that do conditional bid waivers um i'm not a fan i'm just absolutely not a fan i i think you should be able to get as many of the free agents as you want if you're willing to pay and with conditional bid waivers with, you know, this may, you know, there's round one, you got this guy in round one, this guy got this one guy in one, one, it's stuff like that. I'm, I'm, I don't like that. I just say highest bid gets it. And if you're the highest bidder on four guys, guess what? You got four guys. Yeah. I, I really think again, it's, I don't know. I, I don't see any case for the alternative, honestly. Um, it, we're going into things not on the thing, but uh, I know this is unless you have more to say. Uh, <laughs> Zero dollar waivers or one dollar waivers, minimum bid. I've that's one that I've changed on over the years. Uh, oh, no, I'm excited to hear this because okay, go. Well, don't get too excited. There, there was there was no real, uh, you know, no real discussion or or motive for the change. It, I used to have it set at $1 minimum. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't know if MFL changed the default or what, but at some point we moved to $0 and it just kind of stayed there. Nice. So, okay. I don't have a strong preference either way. It sounds, sounds like you might though. Uh, I am very strongly $0 waivers. Okay. And, uh, up until this year, um, my coworker, <laughs> Paul Charchian was very strongly $1 waivers. Uh, he was very strongly adamant against you should have to pay and you should have to budget your money appropriately so that you can actually play waivers later in the season. And if you run out of money, that's your fault for spending it early. Um, uh, yeah, he, he was very against it. And I, I find it limiting. Um, I don't like things that limit activity. And I feel like that's one of those that, that does limit activity. Well, for but my, I, I see his point. I won't, I'm not going to say I don't see his point. I see his point. I just, I'm not a fan of it. Yeah. For mine. I mean, we always have a, we have our blind bid waivers that run and then we immediately have a first come first serve, basically right. open waiver wire. Yeah. So honestly, I just, I don't see much difference between a $0 bid and, and a, and a first come first serve waiver move. Uh, obviously, if you're getting the player for zero dollars, well, yeah, then there was no other interest in that player, or, or you at got least, the tiebreaker. Yeah, right. So, I, I don't. Ha- I don't. Again, I don't have a strong preference either way. I, I, I see both sides of it, though. I, all right, let's 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 stand waivers for a second. I know that I know people that have that are in leagues with lots of busy people that they do like nightly waivers. <laughs> throughout throughout the week instead of jumping into first come first serve uh nightly or or if they do have first come first serve it's nightly waivers for players that are dropped in the last waiver so you know what i mean um i'm i'm not a fan of that but i'm just throwing that out there as an option if you're if you're one of those people with a super busy league i am a one waiver run first come first serve until kickoff of that player's game guy I, I think that promotes activity. I don't give a, I I honestly, uh, we talked about accessibility earlier. Everybody has pretty good access, you know, at this point. And if, if you're the guy that's, that's quickest to the draw, that's, you know what? Good for you. (laughs) And honestly, your league should be deep enough that those players aren't like a huge, huge deal. Usually. Right. I think where I've had more discussion about that topic over the years is when it comes to the off season. So we used to have, Ooh, I have that listed next. <laughs> we used to have uh, the waiver wire open first come first serve the entire off season. And there were, there were some complaints about that. And we, see that. we ultimately went to basically the same system that we use in season one waiver uh blind bid waiver run each week and then first come first serve the only difference is in the off season we push it back so during the season it runs on wednesday and then you have until kickoff to make your moves uh and then in the off season it's uh, they process friday night so basically your weekday is or your weekdays are uh for getting your blind bid waivers in and then the weekends it's open okay I, I do like that. Um, it's very similar to what I do. Uh, my waivers run Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, so noon my time, but 1 p.m. Eastern, all year long. 
my blind bidding waivers. During the offseason, there's no first come, first serve. It's just the one waiver run every week, same time as it is during the regular season. Just kind of like yours is Friday night. Mine is just Wednesday midday. And it it's, you know, all year long. I, I'm very I'm a firm believer in having that weekly blind bidding waivers in the off season as well. Yes, absolutely. Um, let's stick with the off season here. Uh, what's, do you want me to go over what my basic, basic dynasty off season would look like first? And then maybe you give yours potentially. Sure. Okay. So my basic dynasty off season, if you have a Debbie draft or auction, I do that in February after national signing day. Um, then in May, I have my rookie drafter auction after the NFL draft, usually the week after. Um, started on Sunday or Monday, whatever, because uh, the draft goes is you know Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So I started on Sunday or Monday. Um, usually Monday. I, I know a lot of leagues do Sunday. I'm I'm cool with that too. I completely get that. Uh, I probably should. <laughs> it's it's really exciting. Um, then in August. I have an optional free agent draft or a second rookie draft for, for leagues that I have with a split rookie drafts. Like some, some, some rookie drafts I have are, or auctions you, you have, a, let's say two rounds of the rookie draft in May and then you wait a couple months and then you have two more rounds and that allows, you know, you know, you know how ADPs change, right? Like, Players oh, yes. that don't get drafted in those first two rounds, you know, they they could be studs, and that one hundred and one in August rookie draft suddenly is valuable again, and you have a an, a legitimate valuable second rookie draft. Um, so uh, I, I do. That's a great rule. Great rule. Yes. So I I do I do have that in some. Um, did have that in some. Um, my commissioner service has that, but I, I used to do that in leagues as well. But have two rounds in May, and then have two rounds in August, and then both drafts have pretty significant value um, and good trade value for those picks. Uh, yeah. You want to go through yours, Ryan, and, and maybe touch on uh, uh, some contract league stuff. Sure. Sure. So I'm thinking about the kitchen sink leagues, which are contract leagues uh, and contract and auction leagues. And, and that brings a few more options into your off season schedule. Uh, what our kitchen sink schedule basically looks like is in March, we do our second chance auction, which is uh, our dispersal. So every team we, we've talked about the second chance rule on here before every, every team in the league has the, has the opportunity to opt in. They give up the, the assets that they have all players and all picks, and they take part in the second chance auction. And obviously you could do a second chance draft as well. And then that's also for any, uh, any new owners joining and taking over an orphan team, those are automatically part of that as well. So that's early in the off season, uh, March, you could even do it in February potentially. Uh, and then we do our restricted free agent auction in April. Uh, and then this rookie auction, same as you said, late April, early May, depending on when the draft is, uh, depending on when the NFL draft is. And then we have our unrestricted free agent auction in June. And then we actually, you mentioned Debbie doing a Debbie draft maybe in February, right after the national signing day around right now. Yep. Uh, we actually do our Debbie auction last. We save that for the very end. Uh, really, once college teams are already practicing, we d- usually do that in July. I, I like that you do it before the college season, though. That's, 
Uh, oh yeah, I, yeah. I, w- I would recommend that before before week one of the college season hits. Um, if you're going to do your Debbie draft late, I, I do know some leagues that do Debbie drafts like August first as a start. You know, um, try to try to get it done then. Yeah, uh, yeah. Re- really, there's no wrong way to do it, but I think what you could tell from both the way Ryan and I do it is that we like to have a draft or auction type thing every month or two, you know, like every couple months to, to create that activity all off season. Um, I think that's a, that's a big deal in dynasty leagues. Um, I only had a couple more notes. Uh, I, I think if you're starting a new league, you should have tight end premium and one and a half is, you know, like, going half as one and a half to whatever, you know, point variable you're talking about. If it's one and a half PPR, that's not enough. I don't believe Um, two points is probably, you know, probably double what wide receivers and running backs get. Ryan has mentioned before, you know, a a tiered PPR where tight ends get a bunch more. Um, I am extremely anti two tight end. So I'm not going to go into that too much, um, but people know I, I've done a lot of number crunching on the two tight end. Uh, the forcing it, it's it's not that it doesn't create value. It absolutely creates a ton of value and probably creates more value for tight ends than any other option. However, it really hinders teams that don't have a good tight end and can't acquire one. Like it, it puts them really behind the eight ball. Uh, your playoff teams are going to be those teams with those decent tight ends year in, year out. And you cannot stream into tight end. Uh, you're forcing someone to start the the NFL's 24th best tight end, if you think about it. It's just it's disgusting to do to a team, honestly. I think, I think the 2018 season was all the proof you need that that, that might not be a good idea. Yeah, it's 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 not that it doesn't create value to tight ends. It absolutely creates probably more value to tight ends than any other possibility. I don't think it's good for the league, and I don't think it's good for the parity of the league. Um, and, and the numbers really, really do bear that out. Um, the man, have you have you seen that chart on top three tight ends versus four through whatever? Yeah, I have. It's it's like six, seven years straight now of the top three tight ends just being crushers. And the your odds of making the playoffs with a top three tight end is is it's crazy. It's it's just crazy. Um but yeah. Do, do you have anything to say on tight end premium? You're probably with me that one and a half is not enough. I totally agree with you there. Um, I, mean, I think the only other conversation you have with tight end premium, and it's one we have on here as well. I just want to see if you feel as strongly about that is, is Superflex. Would you say that if you're starting a new league, it should be Superflex? I I do. And we, we actually got, I don't know if you were in that discussion so, earlier, but Zach Boehner and I were talking about uh, Superflex, Michael Zingone had the original tweet and I believe you, you replied to him. Okay. Um, yeah. That the super flex bump might be too much. And, yes. uh, but I, I'm a fan of super flex, but I'm also a fan of um, the six point touchdown and then negative four point interception and then negative two, if it's Ooh. a pick six. Um, so it's basically if touchdowns and pick sixes negate each other, basically um, I'm a fan of creating wide tiers between the the quarterbacks um 
which makes good quarterbacks more valuable and lesser quarterbacks not as valuable. Um, I think there's a lot you can do with QBs. Um, you can also try to lower their scoring enough to to balance them with other positions. But if you do that, the tiers kind of go away and all the quarterbacks kind of mesh together again. So, um, but yes, the purpose. Yeah, it does defeat the purpose of that. So, um, I would say I, I would say definitely superflex. Obviously, I, I will not start a league that doesn't have superflex at this point. Nice, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Um, one more note. No league vetoes <laughs> before we go. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, definitely no league vetoes. I do think, and, and you, you've mentioned it before. I, I think there are times where a commission, and it goes back to that best interest clause. There are times where a commissioner does have to overturn a trade, uh, whether it's, just if it could hurt the league right right yeah. if it's just wildly unfair if maybe if if it's collusion or, or suspected collusion yeah and that's yeah. just a decision that, that the commissioner has to make yeah there there can it's i mean collusion is always an overturn but uh right. if you if you suspect it or if 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 even if you think there's no collusion there are trades that can really hurt the league and and make owners get a really sour taste in the league like like that michael thomas for tj yeldon trade i i gave an example of and i think you gave another example i can't remember what it was but trades like that can hurt the league uh so don't have a league veto but give your commission the ability to reverse not just the collusive trades but trades that can really unfairly i mean there's it's a fine line with that one like that it's a judgment call it's subjective but there are you know it when you see it right yep. <laughs> so Yep, absolutely. Um, if it, if it's if it's a top ten guy for a like seventieth ADP guy, uh, you know what to do. So, um, yeah, that's 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 basically our Dynasty one hundred and one episode. We probably missed stuff. I'm sure we did. There's I'm sure we did. There's, so, there's a lot to cover. Someone's going to chime in. Uh, the, the, <laughs> we might have to do Dynasty two hundred and one. Yes, or one hundred and two, or how? I don't know how to. How does that go now? Probably I think that goes two two hundred one. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> We'll, we'll figure it out. We will figure it out by the next time we do a show like that. So, uh, for myself, trust, trust the teacher, Scott. Ah, yes, I should trust the teacher. What was I thinking? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Good. Uh, for myself, Scott Fish 24, and my man sitting across from me, Ryan McDowell at RyanMC23 on Twitter. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Uh-huh.